This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Hey, I want to start this morning with a question, but I want to set it up like this. I want you, I want you to think about those relationships that you have in your life that are the most meaningful, the most uh, enduring, the most endearing, the most trusted relationships that you have in your life. Because those relationships are different than other relationships that you have in your life, right? They, they are relationships maybe you have with your spouse or with your kids or with your grandkids. Maybe it's a relationship you have with your parents or maybe with your siblings or maybe with friends that feel like they're family. Those relationships are uniquely special. So think about those relationships. And here's the question in light of those relationships. What is it? What is it that makes those people and those relationships so significant, like so remarkable, so, so substantive, so different than all the others? You think about those people differently. You talk about those people differently. You introduce those people differently. Like anytime I'm talking about or introducing Steve and Kim or Dan and Jennifer, I always tell people these These are my best friends in the world. These are relationships that we formed when we were all, you know, Marsh and I and these two other couples. When we were just couples down in Georgia, we all went to the the same church and we're in the same young adult Sunday school class. And Steve and Dan and I were always out in the woods together. These were formed over years. And they're different than other relationships that I have. But what is it? Like, why, why, why do you have those people in your life? What makes those people and those relationships so significant? And you might say, well, they, they, they've known me a long time. But come on. The truth is, there have been a lot of people who have known you for a long time, but they're not in your inner circle. And you might say, well, like you and, and Steve and Dan, Rich, you all hunt and fish a lot together. We, we, we have shared interests. But you have shared interests with a lot of different people and they're not in that same category. Well, we've, we've just done a lot of life together. I mean, she walked me through my divorce or he talked me off the ledge so many times. Listen, you've done life, the ups and downs and craziness of life with a lot of different people. Like I did serious life challenges and life changes with a lot of people uh, in college. I don't know where they are. I didn't remember all their names anymore. So, so what is it about those few Those relationships that make them stand out and stand firm and and stay tight. There's something different. There's a secret sauce. And if you can identify what that is, then you can find out why not only those relationships, but every relationship you apply it to gets better in your life. Everyone. And this is important right now. Hey, students, you're going back to school. And you're going to be forced into relationships with other people. Maybe you're, I, I've, I've talked to several, um, you know, freshmen going into college. They've been moving in the last couple of days. And that's a scary place to be. And maybe that's you too. And so there's something, if you can learn what this, what this special, like secret sauce is, and you apply it to even the brand new relationships in your life, it's going to make every relationship in your life even better. So we're going to talk about that today, but first, let me say this, if this is your first time with us, welcome, welcome, welcome in. We are so glad that you're here. If this is not your first time with us, welcome, welcome, welcome back. We are so glad you're here. And if you're joining us online, we are super hyped that you are part of our online family. Let me encourage you, online family, to like 
chat it up. Like get in the chat and, and tell us who you are, like where you're coming from. If, if we're new to you, just tell us a little bit about yourself if you don't mind. Uh, we'd love to get to know you better and, and ask questions in the chat. We'd love to keep you um, informed and also included as we walk through the message together today if you're online. That sounds like if you're here, don't have to worry about the message. Go ahead and sleep. We'll just we'll wake up when we're done. But we're going to talk about that this, this today. And, and to catch everybody up, uh, this is the next to the last message in our summer series called Game Plan. Where by now, I hope, you are discovering that Jesus is the best game plan for your life. And here's why. Jesus is the only way to the win. I mean, the capital W win, the real win, the win that matters most over all the others. Jesus is the only way to the win, like the win at the end of your life, the big win. And and I know you can make up other like little W wins. Like, what about that building with my name on it? How about the, the, the business I built? How about the family legacy I left? How about how I lived and loved my whole life? Those are, those are all good. Those are great. But those are small double, little W wins at the end of life. And here's why. They don't last. Those things are going to dissipate or disappear in time. But the one win that matters most, the one that lasts forever, is this win at the end of your life. When you end this life in a real, right relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's the big win. And Jesus is the only way to that win. He is the best game plan for your life. But what, what about, like, that's like big picture, right? What about the everyday stuff? What, what about not the end of my life, but, but the Mondays of my life and the Wednesdays of my life and the Thursdays of my life? Well, great news. Jesus brings you the wins in those days also. Jesus is like a real, everyday, practical type of a God. He's here every day. And, and what he does in your life makes you better in everyday life. Like, Jesus, Jesus makes you a better husband, a better mom, a, a better employer, a better employee, a better friend. And this is why, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you should lean in and listen to Jesus because Jesus makes you better in everyday life. So we're going to talk about that this morning, about how he makes you better in, in like being friends. And so what we've done all summer long is we've used a game every single weekend to kind of kick us into the message of the day. And today, the game is... Wow, that was perfectly timed, Joey. Thank you. Uh, connect for... Isn't that a great like, 1980s picture? That could have been two of you, you know, on, on that box, right? But Connect Four, if you've never played, let me just uh, tell you how to play. It's two people, and you each get like, they look like checkers to me. They call them chips. One player gets black chips, one player gets red chips. And the game is pretty simple. You just take turns, you drop your colored chip in a slot, and your goal is to connect four, right? You want to get four in a row, horizontally, vertically, diagonally, it doesn't matter. Just connect four in a row. It sounds pretty easy until you realize that your opponent, she's trying to connect four of her color in a row too. And every time you're trying to connect your four, she just keeps getting in your way. And so all of a sudden you realize that connecting four isn't as easy as, as it sounds. Uh, they're all of a sudden getting, getting and staying connected gets complicated. And you don't need me to tell you that, the thrill, that happens in real life, that getting and staying connected in relationships is complicated. Doesn't it, doesn't, it feel like, doesn't it feel like relationships should be easy? Like something very intuitive, like, hey, just go make a friend. Hey, just be nice in friendships. Hey, just enjoy friendships. Hey, just endure uh, you know, relationships. Hey, just, just enjoy relationships. But you know this. 
there's always someone or something getting in the way of your relationships that makes it very, very hard to either get or stay connected in relationships. So today we're going to talk about this, like how to unblock and unlock the best relationships in your life. And again, this isn't just for those people who are going to become like your besties. This is, this is going to strengthen every relationship in, in your life. This is going to deepen your relationship with a friend or, or revive faded relationships or restore broken relationships. It may even help you start new relationships like it did for me. I'm going off script. I, listen, when, we, when Marsh and I first moved back from, from Georgia and we were pastoring a church over in West Mifflin, we were driving across. The, have you ever been on the bridge that goes over the waterfront? Like we're coming back, picture coming back into uh, Munhall. And, and all of a sudden I noticed that all the cars in front of us were getting over in the left-hand lane because there was a car in the right-hand lane that had its blinkers on. It was standing still. So we got like everybody else got in the left-hand lane, passed. And I looked and there's this middle-aged woman who just looked like she needed a hand. So I said, Marcia, she needs our help. So we got off the bridge and we, we found our way into a parking lot of this behind this little uh, restaurant and I got out of the car and but at that point it's just Marsh and me and our girls, like our girls, like Matthew wasn't even in the picture yet. And, and I run back up onto the bridge, run down the bridge to where this lady's sitting kind of frozen behind her steering wheel. I said, ma'am, my name is Rich Phipps. I'm a pastor. I'm not creepy. My family's in my car. So you roll down your window. She's like, you, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to push your car. And you steer. Let's get you off the bridge. So I pushed her car, and she steered, and she got off the bridge down right by our car in that little parking lot. I said, where, where do you need to go? And she said, I need to get to my, to my home. And I said, well, if you don't mind, you can fit in the car with us. This is my wife and my girls, and we'll, we'll take you home. And, and we did. And she asked, well, so what, what, where are you a pastor? And I told her the name of the church. And she's a follower of Jesus, which was great. You know that two weeks later, she showed up in church. And then... Three weeks later, she showed up in church again. Four weeks later, she showed up in church again. Before long, she was a part of our church family. Before that, and, and after that, she was singing. She has the most beautiful, amazing voice. And that started a friendship because I applied some secret sauce that I'd learned from Jesus. And that even though we don't see each other, but maybe once a year, man, you, you know, have you have those friends, right? You don't see each other, but when you, when you do, it's like you pick up like it was yesterday. That's what, this, that's what this does for you. When you apply this, what we're going to talk about today, every relationship in your life gets better. And it comes from something Jesus said and then modeled. So let's start with what Jesus said. It was the last night of Jesus' life. He knew he was going to die. He knew it was coming up. He knew it was the last night of his life. And don't you think if it's the last night of someone's life, that that's when they're going to say probably the most important things they'll ever say in life. So Jesus looked at the, at that point, there were men gathered around him, his apostles, his closest followers. And he, he said this to them. He gave them this really, really important thing. He said this, he said, a new command, a new command. I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And I wonder if they thought, Jesus, that's not new. You said this new command, like I was on the edge of my seat ready for something new, and you just told me what I already know. Like, we know, we've been told our whole lives how to love our friends, how to love our, our families. We, we know. In fact, it wasn't long ago, Jesus, when one of the, one of the like, Pharisees came to you and tried to trap you and asked you, of all God's commands, what's, what's the greatest command? And Jesus, we were right there with you, and you answered him. You said, oh, the greatest commandment in the whole law 
And you just, Jesus, you just recited the Shema. We all know that. That's the Jewish prayer. We pray this every day since we were kids. We've memorized it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But then, Jesus, you add something to it. You say, oh, there's another one. It's just like it. And it goes like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, Jesus, you've been teaching about love, telling about love. We've been learning about love our whole lives. This doesn't feel very new. But Jesus qualified it, didn't he? Jesus said, hey, I want you to love one another. How? In the same way that I have loved you. That's different. And I wonder, I wonder if Jesus went around the room and picked at him individually and said, hey, hey, Matthew, do you remember where you were when I first called you? I do, Lord. I was in my tax collector's booth. And what were you doing in your tax collector's booth? I was collecting taxes. No, no, Matthew, what were you really doing in your tax collector's booth? I was overcharging and cheating my own people so I could make myself rich and so I could pay off our enemy Rome. And Matthew, who loved you when you were doing that? Nobody. Who liked you? Nobody. But I did. Matthew, I loved you when you weren't lovable. I liked you when you weren't likable. You could love other people just like I've loved you. Hey, Peter, Peter, where were you when I called you? I was in my fishing boat. What were you doing? Fishing. What'd you think about me, Peter? I didn't want you in my boat. I, I, I I didn't want to listen to you, Jesus. I didn't. But I pursued you. Do you know why I pursued you, Peter? Because you love me. Because I love you. I pursued you because I love you. And you remember what I told you, Peter? I remember what I tell you. That you're going to give me a bigger purpose in life. That you're going to make me a fisher of men, not just a fish. Jesus said, when when you didn't like me, when you didn't want me, I wanted you. I loved you. Go love people like that. Jesus could have gone around the room to every single one. Because, you know, they didn't come to Jesus with, with qualified to be Jesus' friends. To be Jesus' followers. They didn't come up and say, hey, Jesus, hey, I want to be yours. Um, And so here's my resume, 305 pages of it. And look on the last 12 pages are all the references. And you can call, you want to call them, call them. They'll tell you that I, I deserve to be. I'm qualified to be your follower. They didn't come with pedigrees like that. In fact, if you look at the storylines of those we know, they should have been disqualified from following Jesus, from being in a relationship with Jesus. Just like me. Just like you. Like you know your story. Like, I know my story. I'm not pure. I'm not holy. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. You and I don't deserve to be in a relationship with Jesus. And yet, Jesus loves you. Loves you enough to say, I want you in relationship with me. My storyline would disqualify me. But Jesus' love for me qualifies me. And then he says... So go love people like that. Go love people the way I have loved you. So that's what Jesus said. And and that's that's a big thing to do, right? Like if if you know, if you know what what Jesus has done for you, if you know what you've come from, you know what he's rescued out of, you know where you were in your tax collector's booth on the fishing boat. If you know where you were when he called you and he loved you and you were unlovable, then you know what his love is like. It's fierce, it's reckless, it's consuming, it's a never giving up kind of love. 
Go love people like that, he said. That is a new love. That's a new command. That's what Jesus said. But Jesus was more than just talk, right? Jesus had a way of, of teaching and then showing. And that's exactly what he did the next day when he laid down his life on the cross. Now, the apostles had no idea what the next day was. They, they didn't understand. But Jesus did. And he showed them and he showed the whole world what this kind of love actually looks like. I'm going to go back and look at that with you for a few minutes this morning. But I'm going to do so through the eyes of, through the lens of, a guy who really was disqualified from being in a relationship with Jesus. I mean, if, if you could name... Five guys in scripture who so did not deserve to be in relationship with Jesus. This guy is easily in the top five of all the people in scripture. And you know him as Paul. And we talked a lot about Paul last week. I won't go back into Paul except to remind you that Paul hated Jesus. Paul hated Jesus. He hated people who followed Jesus. In fact, I think when when Jesus was crucified, Paul was like, Woo! Go Romans! Woo! It's about time we get rid of the rabble. It's about time we get rid of the traitor to our people. It's about time we get this false teacher out of our hair. Woo! Serves you right, Jesus. Paul hated everything about Jesus. And then Paul met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, to come back to life, Jesus. And it changed his life, and he became the greatest missionary, opening countless lives to the love of Jesus. And his writings in the New Testament are still connecting to people to Jesus today. In fact, I'm going to read one of them for you right now. This is what Paul wrote about Jesus, about the crucifixion, describing what Jesus was doing and why. Looking through the lens of what he knew about his own life and how Jesus loved him when he was unloved, when he was a Jesus hater. Jesus loved him anyway. So here's what, here's what Paul wrote. He said, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And that from the guy who killed people for following Jesus. I don't think humility was his strong suit. He liked power. He used his power to persecute people who he didn't think deserved to live. And now he says, put, put people who are normally behind you in front of you. Put people who are not your equal to be equal or even above you. Something happened in this guy's life. Let's keep reading verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In other words, he's saying, hey, look around. Look around and, and notice. Don't just look, but see the needs of people all around you. Let, let, like put down your needs long enough to pick theirs up. Quit whining and start winning them. Start inviting them into relationships. Start meeting, where they, meeting them where they are. Not because of who they are, what they've done, because of who you are in Jesus now. And, and some of you, you, you know what this feels like, right? How many of you have ever gotten like a text or a phone call from somebody? And you know they're busy. You know they've got their own challenges. You know they're going through their own hard things. But for some reason, they just said, hey, just checking in. How are you doing? What are your needs? How can, how can I serve you today? Those are great texts to get. When someone lays aside their own challenges, their own needs, and, pick up, and, and they pick up yours. That's what Paul's saying. And then he writes this. 
Have this mind among yourselves. Like, like think this way. Have this perspective. May, like, this is the lens through which you should look at other people. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the, in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Here's what that means. Even though Jesus is God, like he's God in the bod, right? Even though Jesus is God with all the wisdom of God, all the power of God, all the attributes of God, even though Jesus is God, he didn't hold on to his godness. He didn't leverage his godness. He, he didn't say, man, life down here is getting kind of hard. I'm going to power up. He powered down. In fact, listen to this. Verse 7. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus gave it all up. The God who created life let mere mortals take his life. He humbled himself, becoming like us. Like he, he just took off the robes of divinity, clothed himself in the flesh of humanity, and became like us. He humbled himself by becoming one of us. Then he humbled himself by crawling on the cross and letting us nail him to it. This is what Jesus did. To prove his love. Listen, the whole reason Jesus came was to be in a relationship with you. Everything he did, all of his teaching, all of his miracles, all of his, all of his commands, all of his suffering, every point of it, all of it points to this one amazing truth. Jesus wants to be in relationship with you. He could have used his wisdom to impress you, or his power to, to wow you, or his glory to overwhelm you, but he didn't do that. He was born a baby in a place where animals are kept to an unwed teenager. This is the way, how he came. Jesus could have, could have come in glory, you know, light it up, and, but he didn't. He laid down his life for you because this is what love required him to do. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but the night that Jesus was with his closest followers, the night that he shared those really, really important words, you know, a new command I give you, they didn't know what the next day held, right? They could only base what Jesus was saying on their experience up to that point. They're like, oh, like you loved me, Matthew, the tax collector, Peter, the fisherman, my personal experience. But once the next day came, and then the third day when he was raised, and then after that, when he began to meet with them as a resurrected Jesus, they began to get it. And they understood, wait, wait, wait. It's how you loved me. That's a great start. But now I see the decisions you've made for me. And this is the biggest deal of all. The decisions Jesus made, made Jesus' relationship available with them. Now they understood what it meant to go out and, and, and love others the way Jesus loved them. It was not just about what he did for them, but the huge decision he made to die on the cross. It made him approachable and reachable. It made him accessible. His decision to lay aside his preferences, he wrestled with that. Father, I don't, I don't want to go to the cross, but I'm going to do it anyway. That decision to humble himself makes relationship with Jesus possible. Listen, Jesus laid his life down so you could pick yours up. 
And this, this is the secret sauce. This is it. Not just for your relationship with Jesus, but for every relationship you have. Laying your life down to make yourself accessible and reachable and desirable to be in relationship with other people. Not because of decisions they make. It doesn't depend on them. Decisions because of the decision you make to humble yourself to be in relationship with them. Listen, most of what blocks your relationships with other people doesn't start with other people. It starts with you. Most of the time, the biggest things that block uh, your way to more meaningful relationships in your life is you. But when you follow the Jesus way of loving, when you follow what Jesus said and what Jesus did, when you humble yourself and you follow right through what Paul, how Paul describes what he did for us, you will find that every single relationship in your life starts getting better. Not just the special ones, but every relationship in your life. This is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus modeled. And again, when you apply this, every relationship gets better. If you want to unlock and unblock the best relationships in your life, love others the way Jesus loves you. That's why this week's weekly ask, it's kind of hard, I'm not going to lie, but that's why this is what it is. Let me give it to you. By the way, if you're new, the weekly ask is what we ask you to do. Listen, we can ask you every single week to go out, hey, think about what we talked about today. Think about what we went through today. You know what thinking changes? Nothing, right? You can think all day long, it doesn't change a thing, but when you get up and move on it and act on it, that's when things begin to change. So listen, here's a weekly ask. This is what we ask you to do. Number one, intentionally target two relationships in your life and apply the Jesus way of loving to them intentionally target two relationships in your life. You, could, you, you can go, don't have to stop at two, but start with two. Two relationships in your life and apply the Jesus way of loving to them, the secret sauce. And number two, ask this question about each of those relationships. In this relationship, what does love require me to do? Maybe give more time, maybe give more attention, like less of me and more for them. And you watch. Just do this for a week and you will see those relationships begin to change and grow, become better than they've ever been. Now, if you're here today and you're you're a parent and you've got kids downstairs in crew, uh, let me give you their talking point because you need to know this. They're coming home with this. They want to talk about this all week long with you. The talking point is super simple, but super great. God is in control. They'll tell you what they looked at, what they studied, and you can help them understand in everything God is in control, including the relationships you have in your life. Let me pray for us and we'll sing a little bit more. Father God, thank you for being this amazing and glorious God that even though we don't deserve it, and even though we really are disqualified from it, you want us to be in relationship with you. And it has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with you. So thank you. Thank you for teaching us this. And thank you for modeling this for us. And Father, I pray that for every person in this room, that we would begin to apply this this Jesus way of loving into every relationship in our lives. And Father, we pray that that would open, open the way for every relationship in our lives to get better, to go deeper, to grow higher, 
Father, we pray that everyone would be strengthened, every relationship we have, for your glory. So come and do this work, Lord, in this next week. We've set out the challenge. Father, what would happen if each of us really did target two relationships and apply your way of loving to them? Father, help us to do it. We commit this to you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.